Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Silence in the ice cube. Final stone. Canada to stay alive in these Olympic Games. Oh my! John does not believe their shot stone. It is very close. Less than a millimeter. And by that margin, Italy wins, and the dreams of a medal for Holman and Morris are gone. What a, what a heartbreak for... Team Canada. Well, hi again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Daily Draw. We're doing it every day since the game started over in Beijing to bring you up to date on exactly what's going on there. Kev, we don't have to get anyone in to, to knock on your door at your hotel. <laughs> no, we're we're good to go here, Jimmy. Good deal. So, greetings, everyone. Daily Draw is brought to you by Cool Bet. Cool Bet is a proud sponsor of curling and, frankly, all things ice-related. Check them out. The logo is a polar bear. Make sure you join the thousands of people already enjoying life inside the Cool Bet community. So let's get right down to it. Uh, it was the sixth day of action of the mixed doubles uh, at the games in Beijing. Kevin, you're going to bring us up to date on what happened in draw 13 and who qualified to play in the semifinals. But last night there was a big game, Kev, a must win for Canada against Italy. So why don't we start there, Kev, with you? There's actually in draw 13, three big games, but you're right. The biggest one of them all was played on sheet B and that was Canada against Italy. And it was, it was a really good game, you know, and Stefania Constantini in her last one, it was a really good game right through the extra end. Canada has the hammer. So that looks good on them to, to win the game and, and get into the playoffs. Stefania again for, I don't know how many times in the Olympics, 20, 30 times makes her last one absolutely picture perfect there's a rock in the back four foot of canada's but it was kind of guarded a quarter of it or a third of it if she doesn't get right to the face of the canada stone in the back four it's gonna be a pretty easy shot for rachel to win but i'll tell you what warps in there just beautiful and absolutely freezes i actually don't know if there's any separation it might have been an absolute freeze like no separation, mm -hmm. almost exactly on the nose. So there was no run back opportunity, no choice, but Rachel had to draw the button. She had to be within say two inches of, of the pinhole and through a good rock. John, I, I you know, I, I kind of think he may have overswept it a little bit. It goes behind the button, bumps into a back rock in the back forefoot and they have a look at it and they can't tell oh. who's shot rock. So making the playoffs is going to come down to a measurement, if you can imagine, in, in the extra end. They measure it once. The, the official comes out and puts a measuring stick on it, and they measure it once, and we were really looking close on the television. It looked like almost a tie. Right. I went, oh, my goodness. It's, it's, it couldn't be a tie. So they measure it again, and sure enough, the Italian stone was about one mark on the dial closer. So Italy wins, Canada is eliminated from the competition on a measurement. 
something that just doesn't happen very often. I want to talk about sheet A and sheet C as well, and then I want to ask Warren something. So sheet A, Swiss versus Norway. Norway, they're already in, but I don't think anybody wants to play Italy right now. So by winning, they could escape playing Italy. (laughs) I think everybody, I don't think anybody wants to play Italy right now. So they ended up winning their game against the Swiss. They got to evade playing Italy. And on sheet C, U.S. against Great Britain. Same thing for uh, Bruce Mowat and Jennifer Dodds. Nobody wants to play Italy. They wanted to win that game against the U.S. And it wasn't actually very close. Ended up being an 8-4 win for Great Britain. Sheet D was the checks against China. I thought China would really come out with a good game. They did. They were up 6-1 to one after 5. And then it, it just imploded on them. And they ended up losing 8-6 to six after being up 6-1. But that game didn't really matter for the standings. I just thought Team China would be able to finish one off, you know, and end their, their homestand you know, on a positive note, but, you know, I'm, I'm reading all kinds of, of messages and, and things all over social media about this Canada loss and not making the playoffs. Like, obviously, you know, John and Rachel are really good friends of mine. I, I, we're obviously pulling for them to get into the playoffs, but losing to Italy is, is no big deal. You know, losing to Australia is probably the game that they'd like to have back. But I guess the ramifications of not making the, the playoffs warrant at, at the Olympics and mixed doubles? Well, it's certainly uh, not the best situation from a Canadian point of view, but there's many people suggesting that, oh, the wrong team was selected and because of how they got there, that's we knew what was going to happen, etc. Anybody that watched that thing knew they both played their hearts out from, from the word go and gave it all they had. And I'm, I'm not sure who would have been able to do better than they did, but some of the comments that I've seen have been somewhat disappointing. You talked about this, Kevin. So did you, Warren, saying, look, look out, you know, it's not going to be an easy walk for Canada to get into the playoffs and mixed doubles. The other teams are coming at them. Are they concentrating more, uh, Kev, other teams around the world with, on their mixed doubles compared to Canada? Or, you know, what happened yesterday, nobody thought uh, they would not make the playoffs. But uh, what's your take, Kev, on our mixed doubles teams against everybody else? I don't know. I, I don't. Well, in the, in the case of, I guess some countries would be would be worrying about mixed doubles more than others, but don't know if that's it or not. When it comes to major championships, you look at the schedule, and there's games that you have to win. The game against Australia, you have to win. It's no different than anything else. When you're playing teams that aren't going to probably qualify for the playoffs, you cannot lose those games. Losing to an Italy or losing to a Great Britain. That's no problem. That doesn't put you out of the event. It might knock you down the standings from first to second to third, but you should be able to get in the playoffs. But when you start losing to teams like Australia, now you're giving away games to the field. That's costly, and that's what happened in this case. Uh, if they win that game, they're in the playoffs. We're not talking about anything. They're in the semifinals, and you know you roll the dice against the best. No problem. So that's kind of my thoughts, Jim. We we sent an awfully good team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, they they can compete with anybody, and they proved that. It was just that slip up against Australia that cost them their. Uh, their opportunity to get on the podium. I think one of the things that are happening, mixed doubles competitions are more prevalent in Europe. And I think as a result, there's an opportunity to play a lot more than there is at the moment in North America. And I think as well, there's a lot of specialists. Norway is a good example. That's a specialist team. That's all they're playing. So they have more of an opportunity to get uh, better and better. So it's a little different situation, I think, than what's going on in Canada. I think many countries as well, they may not have four people, female and male, strong enough to form a four-person team that's a contender. But there is a good enough male and a good enough female for them to be able to put forward a really good mixed doubles team. And I think to some degree that's also what we're seeing taking place. You know, when it comes to specialists, I, I, 
you know, Tiger Woods at his best. If somebody wants to be a specialist in some interesting way of playing golf, I'd still put my money on Tiger because he's a better golfer. And I still think that's the case in curling, um, no matter who it is. If, if you've got a Bruce Mallet in your country, you want him to do both, in my opinion. Or Stefania Constantini, apparently. <laughs> She's amazing. One other factor, though, that I think needs to be brought up is the fact that in Great Britain's case, and in, in quite a few cases, they know before the season starts or well in advance that they're going to be the Olympic team. John and Rachel found out a few days before leaving for the Olympics that they were going to be the Olympic team. That is just not smart as as a, a governing body in your in your country to wait that long. Like why not give the mixed doubles team a chance to play more, play some events, be ready for it, get prepared. They didn't have any time to prepare. Like obviously they're such good curlers. They had a chance anyways, but we didn't give them the best chance possible, I don't think. I think that's a good point. We saw the comments a lot of curlers made from that article last week in, uh, in sportsnet.ca. That was one of their concerns, and uh, something's been expressed for quite some time. The World Championships and the Olympics, our teams just don't have the time that they need to probably get prepared, amongst other things, to participate. And while, in fact, that worked great for many years, when we were dominant in the world, we could determine a, a team from Canada that was going to represent that the world on Sunday and send them on Wednesday to play in the World Championship. That's actually a situation I went through in, in the 70s. We won the Briar on Saturday, and we were leaving for the World Championship in Switzerland on Thursday. Of the next week? Yes, Yes, without question, <laughs> of the next week. Really? Oh, wow. How do you even prepare? Well, it was just ridiculous. And with little help, uh, two guys didn't have passports. Fortunately, the Alberta government got behind the whole thing. Canadian Corona Association did nothing. And so we were out there fending for ourselves. It's certainly not that bad anymore, but it's still too tight. And I think it's starting to show to a very large degree that when we've got to compete against teams that are as good and in many cases better than our best, we've got to be better prepared, which I think that's another thing to consider going forward. So, Kev, that sets up the playoffs. The uh, one and four game was Italy and Sweden, and the two and three game was Norway and Britain. Uh, Kev, what happened in the one four game, Italy against Sweden? Yeah, that's the game I called this morning, actually. So, yes, it was quite the game. A, a really good start, actually, for both teams in the first end. Everything was made really nicely. Italy had shot stone, but no chance for two. So they just had to take their one. It was an excellent end. The second end was well played by Sweden, actually. And going into Stefania's last rock, Sweden was sitting two and actually one overburied underneath the guard, back forefoot, a do or die freeze again by Constantini. She puts it absolutely perfect, but more than perfect. She locks it on the side rock on the forefoot, right beside covering the pinhole. So she had the cover of the pinhole, locked to the side of the rock on the T-line, in front of the rock, back four, and Almeida had nothing. She tried to throw a, a kind of a heavy draw to maybe bump a little bit and roll off her shot, but Constantini had the buttonhole covered. The, the pinhole was covered. So anyway, that was a, st- uh, a steal of one, and that really set the table because after that, it was a steal of two in the third, steal of another one in the fourth, steal another one in the fifth, and it was just a rout from there on. And after that shot in the second, I think it just kind of took the air out of out of Sweden, and they just didn't have a chance after that. It was an impressive victory. They're talking about the percentages. I want to put something straight. So Mojano, he uh, played, uh, I don't know what he shot, 90 or something, 92, some great number. 
they had Constantini down at around 75%. And the reason was, in the in the first end, she had no shot for two, but took the ice out or edge of 12 or something just to sort of practice that path. And of course, she got zero for that. And then later in the game, there was another situation where there was no shot. So she just threw, threw it anyways. And of course, you get zero because you don't make the shot. There's nothing to make, but you, you do try a shot. You don't make it, so you get a zero. So she was almost perfect for the whole game and uh, just incredible. So they deserve to be in the gold game, and it's going to be tough for anybody to beat them. Okay, Kevin. So over on the other sheet of ice, game between Norway and Great Britain was taking place, and this game was a rematch of last year's World Championship, which, of course, Bruce Mowat and Jennifer Dodds won. For Scotland, but that was not a repeat today as a Norwegian husband and wife team of Christian Seskelin and Magnus Nedregotten grabbed the last rock 6-5 win over the Brits. And here's how it went. It was a pretty back-and-forth seesaw game up until the fifth end. It kind of looked like Great Britain was going to take control. They took a single in the fifth when Jennifer Dodds hit and stayed with her final for a 4-2 lead. But in the sixth end, Norway went to the power play, and this became the big end, really, of the game. Dodds, with her final stone, had to hit and stay on the Norwegian counter, but she rolled out. And as a result of the rollout, she gave Saskalen a free draw for three, which, of course, she made, and now the Norwegians had a 5-4 to four lead. Great Britain went to the power play in the seventh end, made a bunch of half shots, and Dodds had to draw looking at two Norwegian counters. It wasn't a tough draw, full eight foot, tied to score at 5-5. Five five. So now we're tied going home. Norway with the final shot of the of the game. With her final shot, Saskalen had to pretty much put it on the button in front of the Great Britain's shot stone, and she made it perfectly for the 6-5 to five win. It was a shot very similar to the one that Rachel Holman had to execute the night before against Italy. This time, Norway made the thing perfectly. She stopped right to the face of the rock and covered the single, and they went ahead to win, so they're going to be in the, in the gold medal game against Italy, while Great Britain will go into the bronze medal game against Sweden. It's the first time that Italy will win a medal in world curling. They've never won a medal at any kind of a world championship, but now they're going to either win a silver or a gold at the Olympics. Talk a bit about the percentages that took place in those games today. Kevin mentioned the game between Sweden and Italy. I'll just give you their shots, and yes, Stefani Constantini wasn't quite where she has normally been, but still pretty solid at 84%. Amos Mosaner, 94% as he has been pretty near every game. Meanwhile, the Swedes struggled. Almeida Deval, 52%. Oscar Eriksson, a little better at 76 but simply not good enough. And, in, and those percentages tell you very much the story of a lopsided game, which it was. The percentages on the Great Britain-Norway game, much closer, which, of course, that game was much closer. Christian Saskilin, 81%. Magnus Nendergraten, 85%. And on the Great Britain side, Jennifer Dodds was 83, Bruce Mowat 81. So pretty close to percentages. And of course, it was a last rock 6-5 to five win. So those numbers do kind of tell you what the game is like. And as Kevin has said before, if you shoot well, you'll win. Uh, Kevin, this young phenom from Italy, Constantini, 22 years old. Uh, you, you know, everyone was noticing her through the, you know, the start of the round robin and we know what she did now. That team is into the gold medal. Is she the sort of biggest thing you've seen in a long time, Kev, as a surprise in curling that's come along? I think that's fair to say. I, I, you know, at 22 years old, that's, that's really young in curling terms. Mm -hmm. Curling's a cerebral game and, and you don't usually get that good, that quick. So very unusual. I'm going to really enjoy the next few years watching this person grow because 22 years old, 
even if you are as good as what she's proving to be, she's going to get better. This is not her peak. It doesn't matter how good she is now. She will get better than this. And that's amazing to say because right now she's owned the female side of the Winter Olympics here in, in mixed doubles curling. She's actually owned it. So yeah, I, I, I'm excited about it. It's terrific for the curling in the world to have a person come out of a country that's not known for curling. Like, let's be honest, this will be the first medal they've ever got. And to just completely, well, just beat up the competition all the way through to the final. After that shot in the second end, she made it absolutely perfect. After that, it wasn't a game. They absolutely drilled Sweden. You know, if that's possible, I'm just excited about it as far as the the world of curling, because you're going to see other countries go, well, if Italy can do it, we can do it. Let's put some money into this, into this mixed doubles program, into the curling program in our country. Let's do this. It's, It's already growing like crazy, but I think it'll even grow faster with somebody like Stefania doing what she's doing. Okay. Uh, so there we go. Uh, we won't get to see Constantini play in the four women. Uh, they're not in the Olympics, but uh, Mozaner will be. Kev, he's playing third for their team, and God, he's rolling. So we've been having a lot of fun during Daily Draw uh, as we come to each and every day during the Olympics with picks and predictions. At least I was having fun, Warren, <laughs> until I got no good at it. Kev, bring us up to date. Uh, you were rolling. You got about a 14-3 and three record, I think, so far. Uh, you and Warren made some picks yesterday. Where are you guys at? I picked uh, Norway to beat Sw- Switzerland. That happened. I picked Italy to beat Canada. That happened. I picked Great Britain to beat the U.S. But I thought China could finish off a game. They didn't. Uh, they're up 6-1. to one. I, was, I was thinking, uh-huh, I got 4-4. Four for four. Nope. Checks came back and won. So I was 3-4 for four yesterday. So uh, not too bad of a day. Right on. Uh, Hanson, the lizard, we were calling you. Keep your eye on everything. How'd you do in your predictions? Well... My record is the same as Kevin's, a little different than his. I guess the one game that I picked differently was I picked Canada over Italy. I'm also 3-1. and one. So we got a neck-and-neck neck battle going. Okay, so there we go, fellas. Each day we discuss something about the mixed doubles. Uh, they've been at the forefront, of course, through this, and sport is going to grow. You know, tons of people have been tuning into it. In mixed doubles, a couple of things. What happens when you blank an end? The other topic we want to talk about is Canada does not allow curlers to be in the Olympics for both mixed doubles and four-person curling. But every other country allows it, and we want to know why this is different for Canada. Is Curling Canada doing the right thing? So we want to talk about that. Blank ends, Kevin, in mixed doubles. Tell us about it. Well, yeah, obviously when you're starting with a rock out front and one behind the button and the person is coming into the back button, or in a power play you've got the corner guard and one behind it, there aren't many blank ends. They're just, they just don't happen very often. But they do occasionally, and they have happened here during the Olympics. What happens is if you blank, you lose the hammer. That's what happens is that the other team gets it. So the team, it doesn't happen very often. You get a blank because the team will either hit and stay or draw the forefoot um, if there's nothing in play because you're going to lose the hammer anyway, so you want to take your point. But what happens is the odd time is there'll be one rock in the house. They try to hit it on the nose, but they hit a half, and they roll out. And that's kind of how the blank ends happen. They don't happen often because if you do blank an end, you automatically lose the hammer. The other team then takes over the hammer, so you've wasted yours. So that's, it's, it's a quite a good rule in mixed doubles, but it doesn't happen very often because the game is built on lots of rocks in play, and with lots of rocks in play, the odds of a blank are, are minimized. There you go. Warren, no mixed doubles team. Uh, if you're a member of that, you can't be a member of the four-person team. Uh, what's your take on all that? 
Well, that's a, a Canadian rule, and I, I can understand why they probably did this initially, because they felt that the focus needed to be on one or the other, and uh, felt that it would possibly dilute your your ability to maybe win either. Um, many other countries in the world have uh, decided to allow their players to play in both, and there were quite a number this year. Uh, off the top of my head, we had uh, Erickson, Mowat, Dodds, Mosaner, they're all playing in the respective men's and women's competitions as well. Shall be interesting to see how they do f- from that point of view. From my opinion, I think for many reasons it needs to be let go and you should be allowed to go in whatever direction you want to go. If you want to try for both, then, then do so. I, I think right now we don't want to create mixed doubles as an afterthought, which to some degree it, it has become. So if you don't make men's or women's, okay, now we'll try mixed doubles. And some of these good players, they throw teams together at the last minute and they can do very well. But as you're going to find out when you get to the world level where these teams aren't just throwing together, even though you may be good, they're going to probably have an edge on you. So I think there has to be a different approach taken. I I think two things have to be considered. That's going to be dedicated teams that are going to play mixed doubles only. And I think there has to be a way figured out to allow the best players, if they choose to do so, to be able to participate in both. We're going to take a little break. Uh, When we come back, we've got to talk about what happened yesterday. If you love curling, then you couldn't have been more happy with the final of the Scotties and of course that big game Italy and Canada uh, but people weren't happy we'll talk about that when we come back every sport has their big juicy controversy boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite cycling has Lance Armstrong baseball has its steroid era curling has Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. So we're back. Uh, We're back. We were just laughing our heads off uh, during our break uh, because I thought I was uh, a captain of the greatest segue ever. It was very slick, you guys. Very slick. I was impressed. (laughs) It was smooth. (laughs) Silky. Silky smooth. Exactly. I want a new nickname. You guys have new nicknames. I want one. So here's what happened yesterday during a great day of curling uh, with all kinds going on. Up to now, uh, on an Olympic year, Curling Canada would never schedule the Scotties or the men's final at the same time as the as the curling they would always make it uh, you know a different time for obvious reasons so you could you could watch both but that didn't happen so they were both on at the same time the final of the Scotties and the huge game Canada and Italy so normally we wouldn't care except that was such a massive game lots of people weren't happy Warren there was a poll that we put up about it which game are you going to watch the Scotties or the must-win game uh, between Canada and Italy bring us up to speed Warren what happened there well, the poll came out just about even. I think 51% of the people in the poll said they would watch the Olympic game and 49% said the Scotties final. And a lot of comments were made. A lot of people saying, who cares? It doesn't matter. I'll PVR. There was a fairly large number of people on the like side that said, yeah, this is a problem. And maybe this is just a, a growing pains thing that has happened. I know certainly in my time... Uh, with Curling Canada, we were scheduling this stuff, remembering 2010, 2014. We were definitely making sure that the Scotties was done uh, a week before the Olympics started. I know mixed doubles has come into the play into the full since then, and that's maybe created some issues. And maybe mixed doubles, again, hasn't been given the respect or importance that it's becoming. 
But I think this is something that has to be looked at going ahead because it doesn't do the sport in this country any good. And we've got an Olympic uh, game that was as important as the one last night going on at the same time. And it's not just a game, but the final of the Scottish Tournament of Hearts. Uh, and so it's just not a good thing to have happening, in my opinion. Kevin, what do you think? So you started the, the Scotties game at 5 o'clock and the mixed doubles game started at 6. If, even if they both started at 5 then at least the mixed doubles finishes and you've still got an hour left in the in the Scotties final. But no, it was offset an hour the other way. Sure, you can watch the first hour of the Scotties game, but now it's exactly at the same time. And the, the end of the game, they end at the exact same time. It was wildly crazy. I, I can't imagine why it happened. You know, to just move the game, only an hour would have done it. Obviously, the Olympic game isn't going to move. So the Scotty's final, move it one hour so that you can watch the last couple, three ends of both. And, and they would have been well watched. It would have been huge numbers. But you're, you're absolutely cutting the audience in half, obviously, when the final rocks of both games are going at the same time. It, it, I couldn't believe it. I actually could not believe that that happened. Yeah, you know, you talked about PVRing, uh, Warren. The problem is uh, these days that uh, we want everything uh, you know, right, right in our face. We want it right now, and we want it instantly. And that's the problem with PVRing. You know, people go, "I, I want to watch this thing. It's on right now." <laughs> so uh, I was, I was flipping back and forth, but that was unfortunate that it happened. And you know, Warren, you and I were talking last night, uh, and you bring up a good point. You know that, uh, you know, between Olympics, the curlers, you know, they spent four years, man, uh, trying to get ready for this. Uh, it was a little different with the mixed doubles this year because the team was appointed uh, so late, but. You know, I agree. When they work so hard, they should be profiled. But we'll see what happens uh, next Olympics. You've probably been screaming at us uh, the last few minutes saying, okay, okay, they're on at the same time. Well, who won the Scotties? <laughs> uh, and Kerry Anderson, Team Canada, congratulations to them. We're going to talk a lot about that on our uh, weekly show of Inside Curling. Okay, cool bet. And our picks. We've got some playoffs going on. So we want to hear from you guys. Bronze medal game between mixed doubles comes up uh, shortly. Uh, Kevin, what's your prediction there? The bronze game coming up, Great Britain against Sweden. I think uh, Sweden didn't play very well in that last game of the 1-4 the game, so I'm going to go with Great Britain in that one. The gold game, Jimmy, Italy versus Norway. I've been taking Italy all the way, so I'm not changing a thing. I'm going to continue to cheer on uh, this young Italian team, so I'll take them. So you're taking Italy... And Great Britain. Is that right? Did I hear you right? That is okay. correct. Italy, Great Britain. Okay, Hanson, you got a chance here to catch up to Kevin. Well, my rationale isn't much different than Kevin's. I look at the bronze medal game. Rose Mowat had his problems in today's game as well, but I think under the crunch of a medal, he's going to come up big. I mean, Oscar Eriksson is also one of the best curlers in the world, but he seems that things haven't been right with that team for the last uh, number of days. I'm not. There's something going on there. So I'm also going to select, select Britain to win the bronze medal. And the other game, Nidrogratin, uh, they're good. Um, but unless something happens to Stefani, Constantini's health, I can't see anybody except Italy winning that. Uh, she's just been so spectacular with those last shots and uh, going to be very difficult to beat. You guys are picking the same. Am I hearing you right? We are picking the same. Yep. So here's your chance, Jim. I'm going to flip-flop both of you. I'm going to go Sweden and I'm going to go Norway. Look out. Here I come. <laughs> here I come. No, I, I want to make one other comment, though. I think maybe Kevin might have a little bit of bias here in that selection of the, of the gold medal winner because we both saw yesterday what Mosaner said about him. You want to just re reiterate, Jim, what the comment was that Mosaner made? 
in his bio, Kevin. They asked, who's your mentor? And he said, you were Bear. Who was his idol. Yeah, absolute idol. Uh, I mean, I love you, but I never thought you'd be in that category. You know, I well, I knew he was a really good curl. I just didn't know he was that smart. Yeah. Jeez, no wonder, no wonder I've been cheering for Italy the whole uh, Olympics so far, huh? Well, I like that yeah, guy. I guess, I guess you do. Yeah, right, right, right to idol. Okay, not even. Yeah, I love Kevin. I, you know, I, I lean on him quite a bit. So maybe there's some karma there. I didn't know that actually, Jimmy. So I appreciate you telling me that. Yeah, you bet. Uh, so you got some karma going on. So there we go. There, there's a, a wrap on what's happening. Uh, cool Bet is the proud sponsor of curling and, frankly, all things uh, related to curling. Uh, check them out and their polar bear logo. Uh, we appreciate them uh, stepping up to sponsor the Daily Draw. Make sure you join the thousands of people already enjoying life inside the Cool Bet community. If you feel inclined to place a few bucks down, uh, go to the Cool Bet website. And we've given you some picks, so I'm suggesting you go with me this week. As the room went silent. No, Jim, we're not doing that. <laughs> a reminder again to send us an email, uh, insidecurling at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, you're very lively, and we've got a really robust uh, Facebook page that Rod Paulson uh, handles for us. We want to hear your thoughts and everything. So who better to ask than uh, Kevin, gold medalist from the Olympics? And, of course, Warren. Every time the Olympics roll around, I think of you who were just such a force to get curling into the Olympics. Drop us a tweet at Curling Inside. So there you go, boys. Coming up, playoffs. I love playoffs. Playoffs! It's the best ever. See you, Kev. See you, Warren. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jimmy. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.